All right. Hello, everyone. It is time once again for another episode of Ring Rat Radio. We got over here Fumiko Mega, and I know it's been a really long time. I have been meaning to try and upload something for the Cruise of Jericho, which I did go on, which was addressed in my last episode, Bougie Mark. But I have been inspired right now to record something in light of what happened tonight on SmackDown Live. So SmackDown Live tonight, as I'm sure many people who maybe listen to this, for all three people that actually listen to this podcast, you are aware that tonight in SmackDown Live, the first matchup and what opened the show was a match between WWE World Heavyweight Champion Daniel Bryan and the heart of 205 Live, Mustafa Ali, in a match that was announced very shortly before SmackDown Live started today. So, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my feelings on the match and my overarching feelings on 205 Live from basically forever. So, kind of recapping what happened on SmackDown Live today, which is, uh, today's date is December 11th, 2018. And again, basically recapping what happened on, especially for that first portion of the show on SmackDown Live. Daniel Bryan comes out, cuts a heel promo about how he wants to apologize to the people that he called sheep last week for comparing them to the idiots of this week. You know, pretty standard heel stuff. And he kind of talks about how he's changed. This is the new Daniel Bryan. And then the person that comes out to answer and respond to him is the heart of 205 Live, Mustafa Ali. Now, Ali, at first, is pretty general as far as the face sort of promo that he cuts. He's like, you know, what happened to you? We used to look up to you. And Daniel Bryan kind of comes back with, you know what? I see a lot of myself in you, Mustafa Ali. I do. And this is why, you know, these people, they don't deserve this match. They don't deserve you. You're an excellent, you're an excellent performer. You're a talented wrestler, but they're too stupid and too ignorant and too xenophobic. And that one hit me real hard. Too xenophobic to really appreciate you. And especially considering the sort of character, if you want to call it that, that Mustafa Ali has been portrayed as from pretty much the very start of his WWE career is as part as part of 205 Live. You can understand that that would probably be the cut that hits the deepest and you could tell on his face and how hard that one specifically hit him because Ali has been from the start about breaking those sorts of stereotypes. Now I'm going to go into that a little bit more in another segment of the show, but I want to now go into talking a little bit about the match. So the match itself, I was pleased that the match was about 10 minutes long or so, even though they had it play over the commercial, but at least they didn't have it cut away in the commercial. They had the little picture in picture, which I typically hate, but I was so grateful to that to have gotten to see all the action that happened over the commercial break, at least for the first commercial break or for the second commercial break. Now, we all know that Daniel Bryan isn't going to lose here. I, you know, I don't want to 
be that guy, but we all know that Daniel Bryan, this match was for him to win and sort of show dominance, but for Mustafa Ali to have a great showing. And he absolutely did just that with the amount of time that he was given. Mustafa Ali was able to hit a lot of these really spectacular moves that we've all come to know and love from him as part of 205 Live, notably the Spanish Fly, the 054, and the Tornado DDT, which he hit all to very excellent response, and Daniel Bryan totally working with him on that. Now, the match itself, I... I greatly enjoyed it was a nice little taste of what you can see as part of 205 Live every week. Now Wednesdays instead of Tuesdays like it was before. But it's a, it's a great sort of exposure for people that go watch on the main that go watch SmackDown and watch the main roster shows and don't really get a whole lot of the 205 Live product. And now, now here's where I transition over to talking specifically about that 205 Live product, okay? This show is called Ring Rat Radio for a reason, so I'm going to be unconventionally a ring rat here in that not talking about the sort of typical ring rat stuff, but just talking about how much I love 205 Live. If you've seen some of the stuff that we've recorded over at Midcard Mana, by the way, Midcard Mana, shout out. If you want to check it out, that's on YouTube. Just search up Midcard Mana and you can find any of our old videos and hopefully eventually some new ones too. We'll see. But as I sort of digress, 205 Live, I've been a really big fan of all of the Cruiserweights since the Cruiserweight Classic. I've been very impressed with each and every single one of them. And I've only gotten more and more impressed with them as a division, as a whole, each of the different individual performers as time has gone on. And it really is a testament to how hard each and every single one of them works every single day, every single week, every single moment they have the opportunity to be exposed to people watching. They, they seize each and every single opportunity. So I have a lot of favorites in 205. Of course, for those of you that know me know that I am basically in love with Mustafa Ali because he's just, he has had a character or had a persona or whatever you want to call it, but his entire time that he's been in the WWE, his whole sort of goal was to break stereotypes and to break preconceived notions about who he is based on what he looks like and what his name is. And I absolutely loved that because as a, and it goes from, my own personal experience in trying to break different stereotypes and trying to break the mold and not fit into that sort of perception that people have. But I absolutely love how committed and how determined he is to always make sure to be good. And not just as a, as a character on WWE, but as a person in his day-to-day life, as a performer in the wrestling ring and as a role model for a lot of people, both young and old. And so I have the utmost respect for Mustafa Ali, but I also have the utmost respect for pretty much all of 205 Live. So I posted on Twitter earlier today that I 
had a pretty much a 10 minute rant. And I don't know if I can re recollect all of that or even reenact it, but I was trying to explain to my dad who I was going off about, about how I was so excited about this Daniel Bryan versus Mustafa Ali match. And he kind of didn't get it. And not many people in my family have really been that exposed to 205, which is a shame. And I'm slipping. But I promise you, I watch 205 Live basically every night before I go to sleep to help quell the mind-numbing, crushing depression and loneliness sometimes. Because that always, always makes me smile. Whether it be because of the in-ring performances, the character work from all of these performers or something in between 205 live has never fails to deliver enjoyment to me but again digressing again i have so much respect for each and every single one of the cruiserweights and i will try right now to sort of explain to you or reenact for you what i was trying to explain to my dad Okay, so here it is, and it becomes increasingly evident, especially when you see these guys that are given the opportunity to make some sort of impact on the main roster. But even when you looked at them when they were part of Monday Night Raw, you could tell that a lot of these guys are incredibly developed performers. And the thing of it is, is a lot of them, were people that the WWE wouldn't hire, you know, for as a regular superstar, as demeaning as it sounds. And I don't mean it in a demeaning way because I prefer 205. They're all so at the top of their game. Any single one of them could be a champion at any given moment. And I truly, truly believe that. But they had to work harder to get noticed from the independent scene. They had to be the best of the best of the best wherever they were, to be able to stand out from hundreds of thousands of people trying to vie for those same spots that they were trying to vie for. So a good example for me is you look at someone like Leo Rush, who has currently been doing a lot more work on the main roster as being a mouthpiece for Bobby Lashley. Now, depending on what you feel about those storylines and those characters in general, specifically Bobby Lashley, who I know has received a lot of backlash since he has come back to the WWE. You see Leo Rush, who was brought in initially as a performer in NXT. He's really great in ring. He knows how to garner reaction. He knows how to talk. He knows how to promote himself. So what better thing to have him do than help promote someone else who has the in-ring talent and aesthetic, but does not know best how to promote himself via mic work. And see, that's the thing also you notice. You see that with Leo Rush. You see that with Drake Maverick, who was the mouthpiece for Authors of Pain. You see it more as people are starting to work, or more and more of the cruiserweights are starting to work with people on the main roster. Like today, Mustafa Ali while not it not being his best promo, that was still head and shoulders above a lot, a lot of other main roster performers that you see on, on the WWE Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown every single week. And Mustafa Ali, if you have been following 205 Live, you can tell or you have seen 
that he is one of the performers that has gone out and filmed his own video packages and promos because he cares so much about producing the best that he can produce to be able to tell a story and not only that, but to tell a good story that will get us invested, not just in him and not just in his opponent, but in the fight itself and what it represents to him. And he takes the extra time to make it relate, to make us able to relate to it, no matter what our own personal opinion are, what our own personal struggles may be at that point. He's, I know I talk a lot about Mustafa Ali, but I just, I think the world of him, he is so good at what he does. And because he's so atypical of what I think people would expect, I have absolutely fallen in love with him. And I will do a whole episode on Mustafa Ali sometime. I'm going to try and focus on the, or pull back focus and talk about the division as a whole. But it just really astounds me because all of these guys have, have it. You know what I mean? They, they are well-rounded performers. They can go in the ring. They can support each other in the ring and keep up with each other. One, which is not something that we always see on the main roster (laughs) on, on uh, WWE. And they all are able to speak for themselves. They don't need a mouthpiece per se. I like how Mike Canales has Maria because I like that sort of storyline that they're telling about the power of love and, you know, Maria and Mike, I, I like it. That's always, that's, that's a whole nother podcast topic in general. But I think that they're usually sleeping on the cruiserweights. These are guys that have had to prove time and time again that they were stars in the independent scene before the WWE finally kind of came around and took notice. And now because of these pioneers in 205 Live, there's a lot more people, especially in NXT, that are getting noticed, or NXT, NXT UK, some of the other shows that the WWE is trying to involve themselves with. It's opened up tons and tons of opportunities for performers around the world who may not fit that typical WWE aesthetic to still be able to perform on that large of a stage. Now, going back to what I said before about how I can truly believe that each and every single one of these guys on the roster could be champion at any given time, and it's because all of them are so at the top of their game at any given moment that it they could be thrown into the title picture and it wouldn't seem weird and contrived. For example, someone who I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about is Akira Tozawa. You know, the man was a legend in Dragon Gate, an absolute legend in Dragon Gate. And you see kind of where his contemporaries are, specifically in Apollo Crews and Ricochet. And you kind of see he was at the top of the game. He he is a one-time WWE Cruiserweight Champion. I'm sad that his reign was so short and did not, and was only the single reign, but I can always hope for another one. But Tozawa is someone that has been able to perform as a really serious threat, has been able to perform as a comedic gimmick, and has been able to perform just in just about any role that they've given him to be in, in the cruiserweight division, he's been able to pull it off. Now, some people might disagree with me, but when you look at the bounces that he's had to make in such a short amount of time, I 
I have to I have to admit that I'm impressed and I've always liked Tozawa, but just being able to see him do that character work as well, I you know, is mad respect. When you look at guys like Drew Gulak, who is ab- like a sleeper hit, honestly, in the cruiserweight division, someone who I did not expect to like as much as I did, and who I did not expect to fully embrace all of the different kooky, crazy character stuff they've had him do. But he has been incredible. Honestly, I'm surprised he hasn't had a cruiserweight title reign yet because he has held down the division a lot in ways where when I thought that things were going to go downhill, especially with the Enzo Mora period, he was he was a bright and shining light of the Zotrain, truthfully. I just rewatched part of that. Like I said, I watched 205 Live every night to sort of combat the the crushing depression and loneliness. And I got to rewatch that whole run with him with the with the Zotrain. And I absolutely loved seeing all the little subtleties that he put in his performance, whether it be as part of the Zotrain hype man, how are you doing? Or when you watch him sort of not necessarily turn on Tony Nese, but the conflict that he goes through trying to maintain a sense of loyalty with his friend, but also trying to maintain a position of a semblance of power, you know, and it's really humanized him. And I think I, I read this great post on Tumblr once where they are all so good at what they do that it makes you care about each and every single one of them. And for some of them, it's character work, but for others, it's genuinely who they are. And it's rare to get that level of investment out of fans for certain wrestlers, but each of these guys pulls it out of, pulls it out of the fandom. Like I said, Drew Gulak, Mustafa Ali, Tony Nese is another one who is big and evolved and in a lot of other places just and grinded away for years and years and years until he finally really got that opportunity to shine. And even though a lot of his stuff on 205 is about how he's the premier athlete and he's cut, like cut, he has shown in the brief glimpses that we've been allowed to have and his character and his relationships with other people, he has shown that he is someone that can really take that sort of subtlety to heart. I, again, going back to the Enzo Amore stuff, as much as I did not like his title reign, I think a lot of people in 205 Live stepped up to make up for the atrocious title reign in that sense, where they were able to get a little bit more screen time to promote themselves and they absolutely 100% ran with that opportunity. And I'm so, so glad for that because it really showed the WWE universe. I think that these guys, although, you know, they're treated like a different lower division because they are under 205. Each of them are absolutely just at the top of their game. I know I keep saying that, but they, the thing about 205 is each and every single one of them to get to be in the Cruiserweight Classic already had to prove that they were somebody somewhere else. 
So we are very fortunate that we get pretty much the best of that indie talent that was willing and able to sign with WWE, you know, and it was kind of, they kind of gutted the indies a lot for, for that. But I am so glad that each of these guys get, gets a larger stage to perform on and a platform to shine because they absolutely deserve all of our respect and all of our fandom. If that's what even, if that's even what we can call it from guys that have been in the WWE before and kind of came back or didn't quite find their place until they hit the cruiserweight division, like the Brian Kendrick or Hideo Tommy for guys that were indie darlings before they came like uh, Cedric Alexander and Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. And for guys, even like Mustafa Ali, who didn't really have a whole lot on the indies as, and I don't mean that as far as like, experience but he didn't really get as much of an opportunity to travel around and make a name for himself on a national scale like a lot of these other guys did and yet he was able to prove to them that he was so good from where he was or from where he was from and what he was doing that he made it impossible for them to ignore him impossible that's what each of these guys did is made it impossible made themselves impossible to ignore. Buddy Murphy's another one who I have really liked since his time in NXT. And I am over the moon that he has found a lot more success in the 205 live division than he has in NXT. I know he is a former NXT uh, tag team champion. And I know after Blake and Murphy broke up, he kind of didn't really have a lot of direction in NXT and we didn't see him on television for a while. And so seeing him as part of the cruiserweight division as the juggernaut, it really, I just, I can't tell you how pleased I am with everyone in the division as a whole. Another person that just recently came back from injury, Arya Davari, who I think is severely underrated as far as a worker and a performer, who has carried who carried matches during the Cruiserweight Classic, who carried a lot of the character work of the Zoe train. He he is so good and he's so talented. And I have to say when the WWE went to Saudi Arabia for Greatest Royal Rumble, I was I was glad that he was there. And not just the foreign heel gimmick, but I was glad that they were willing to bring him to Saudi Arabia as a person to get that exposure because he, again, is a great example of excellent character work. All of them are. Gentleman Jack Gallagher, how he went fairly seamlessly from being the uh, sort of Los Torredores good guy that we all cheered for the, the extraordinary gentleman to now this sort of gentleman bruiser that we see more of, especially with his uh, tag or his team up with Drew Gulak. I mentioned the Brian Kendrick before I mentioned, and someone uh, who I didn't get to mention that much is Cedric Alexander. Of course, one of the greatest cruiserweight champions in the WWE of all time. Although there haven't been that many WWE World Cruiserweight Champions. But I am a big fan of him. I was a big fan of him when he was part of CNC Wrestle Factory in 
Ring of Honor. And again, another person that just has the charisma, has the in-ring ability, the athleticism, just everything that really shows people how how impossibly talented he is. It is really on another level. And of course, I would not be complete. And I saved the Cruiser great for one of the last because of the fact that he's someone that I think a lot of people have, I don't want to say forgotten about per se, but he was the first one. You know what I mean? He was the person that put the cruiserweight division sort of on the map. And he has proven that he, and I mean, let's think about how old TJ Perkins is. TJ Perkins is, I mean, still pretty young comparatively. He's 34 and he started wrestling in 1998. So he has 20 years of experience and he is able to get in the ring with basically anybody. And I'm not talking about anybody in the cruiserweight division. I'm talking about anybody, anybody in the WWE, anybody in the world, and he can work a match with them. He is that good. That's not me trying to suck up to TJ Perkins, even though my little cousin loves him. That's just a fact. That's undeniably a fact. And it just really goes to show how 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 solid each and every single one of these guys are. Noam Dar, okay, so Noam Dar, I have had a love-hate relationship with Noam Dar. Not really, not actual hate, but I... I've just, at first, I was just like, oh, this cocky git. And then I realized, oh, of course, that's what I'm supposed to think. But Noam Dar is also another person that I have found. I, I heel, face, good guy, bad guy, cocky git, uh, rising underdog is someone just charismatically has it. And then you look at his performance in the ring and you look at how old he is or how young he is. And you realize, and this is me talking as myself, and I realize that I have done nothing in my life that will ever be worth anything. I'm just nothing compared to all these guys in 205 Live. I'm also literally heavier than all these guys in 205 Live because I'm like 215 because I'm fat. Anyway, that's enough of that. But just, I just can't stop talking about how much I like these guys in 205 and how well-rounded of performers, each and every single one of them are, you could drop any of them, any of them, truly, any of them in the middle of a Monday Night Raw, a SmackDown, an NXT taping, an NXT UK taping, which is what they've been doing with Noam Dar and Jack Gallagher, and they would be able to navigate and steal the show. These guys just, each and every single one of them, they just have it. They just have it. And if you have not watched 205 or if you do not regularly watch 205, get on it. Seriously. It is as a performer, as a person who enjoys theater, they all understand their character work and put so much time into trying to tell a story for us that each and every single one makes you care. Actually care. If you're in it for the wrestling, 
of course, each of them delivers, whether it be you like the catch wrestling style, submission style, British wrestling, Japanese strong style, uh, Lucha Libre, anything, any of that. Now, you might notice, as I say Lucha Libre, I didn't talk that much about Lucha House Party, which is, of course, Grand Metallic, uh, Lince Dorado, and Kalisto. Now, for them, I feel like they've been afforded a little bit more opportunity on the main roster to shine because they are a Lucha House Party and they are currently embroiled in a tag team feud on regular television on Monday Night Raw. And they have been given a little bit more opportunity to shine on the main roster. So I, as, and I love, I love all of them. I was a really big fan of Lente Dorado and Grand Metallic. Grand Metallic has a beautiful metallic driver, like absolutely insane. And Lince Dorado is one of the most freakishly agile people I've ever been able to see in a ring. And of course, Kalisto, honestly, he has just blown me away with his ability to, again, go in the ring with basically anyone. That's the thing about any of these guys in the Cruiserweight division. They can go in the ring with anyone, anyone on the main roster, truthfully. And I really, truly believe that. And whether it be running circles around the bigger guys to tire them out or hitting just as hard as guys twice their weight, these guys just, I know I'm, I'm repeating myself now, but they just, they just have it guys. They just have it. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening to this uh, this episode of Ring Rat Radio and my sort of slapdash rant about the cruiserweight division and the cruiserweight talent and all of the guys in 2055. Each and every single one of them, name drop all of them in the division right now because I love all of them. So Akira Tozawa, Arya Davari, Lee Brian Kendrick, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, uh, Noam Dar, TJ Perkins, Tony Nice, Mike Canales, Leo Rush, uh, Hideo Tommy, Gentleman Jack Gallagher, Drew Gulak. I might have said Drew Gulak twice, but he is someone I'm shocked at that hasn't had a title run yet, as I am about Mustafa Ali. But I'm sure you all are tired of my love, unabiding, unending love of Mustafa Ali. But yeah, just each and every single one of these guys, every single week, whether it be to a packed arena prior to SmackDown Live or to the last drinks of people that just haven't come in yet, you know, they give their all. And especially back from back when they were filming after SmackDown, where the arenas were a lot more quiet because people were tired at the end of it. But they, they work so hard for us. They also do it for themselves, but they perform for us, for the fans. And we truthfully, we don't, we don't respect them enough. And I genuinely believe that I love them. And I know that I like, I should be buying 20 shirts from all of them. Because that's what they deserve. They deserve that brand, that level of exposure and that level of fanaticism that usually you only see reserved for people like Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. And don't get me wrong, I like I like the main roster performers too, but these guys who are considered to be a whole separate division, honestly, each of them could be at the top of their division at any given time. 
Anyway, before I start ranting again, thanks for listening to another episode of Ring Rat Radio. This is Fumiko Mega signing off. And this slapdash rant about how much I love the Cruiserweights and 205 Live.